right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. We are going to have a Johnny's Tavern KU Club interview with the KU Club tennis team coming up at 345. We've also got John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant talking a little spring ball, recruiting, and plenty more KU football with us coming up at 515. We are out early today at 530 for Westwood One coverage of the Women's Final Four. And there is a couple big news stories to talk about right off the top here. Yeah. The first one just came down about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes ago. Grady Dick is officially going pro. Here is the uh, full message posted by Grady Dick on Instagram. First, dear Kansas, first and foremost, none of this would be possible without God. I also wouldn't be in this position without the help from my coaches, teachers, friends, and most importantly, my family. As a kid from Kansas, I have fulfilled my goal of playing at my dream college. I cannot thank Jayhawk Nation enough for the love and support you have shown to me and my family. I will always have Kansas in my heart, but now I have to chase the ultimate dream that I've had since I first started playing ball. So that being said, I've decided to declare for the 2023 NBA draft rock chalk forever, Grady Dick. Now, this doesn't technically say in it whether um, Grady is testing the draft waters and keeping his collegiate eligibility open or not, but I would just assume based on the fact that, I don't know, how some of this is kind of worded, reading between the lines, and also the fact apparently he broke this news, even though that's on Instagram. Apparently he went on a NBA uh, show on ESPN to break the news. That kind of tells me that he's staying in the draft. Not that that would be a surprise. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you don't say you're retaining your eligibility kind in, of implies. In, your, in your announcement, you're probably not coming back then, right? Like, like you wouldn't. You wouldn't not say it and then actually yeah. come back. So, yes, I think this seems like uh, the news that maybe some Kansas fans were concerned about but seemed inevitable in a lot of ways that with where Grady Dick was being projected to go in the draft with the kind of year that he had, that he would go ahead and move on to the NBA. And, you know, I I, I commend him for the decision. I'm sure it's a really difficult decision for a 19, 20-year-old guy to make especially for a guy like him who we know he does love Kansas and has been a huge Kansas fan so but he he came to KU and as he said in his as he said in his announcement fulfilled one of his dreams came to KU played for Bill Self had a overall a great season even though it didn't end necessarily the way that he or anybody else on the team wanted it to but when you have the opportunity to go play at the highest level you got to take it yeah, and so I, I I really commend him for that. And he obviously could have made a lot of money coming back for NIL, but he's going to make a lot of money in the NBA too. If you know he he goes, I think pick eleven in the NBA draft that makes th- uh, last year it made three point eight million dollars, but that's 
just for year one. It's a guaranteed long-term contract, so he's going to make a lot of money. I'm sure he'll have himself a good NBA career. He'll probably yeah. be a guy that we look back on in five years and are like, man, look how complete his offensive game is, or look how much extra he has added to his game than what we saw at Kansas, which, like you said, was already a very successful season for a freshman. Yeah. Not a lot of freshmen come in and do what he did. I mean, when you talk about um, freshman seasons in the Bill Self era, He's in that, that top, top five, yeah, right? I was gonna say, that was top five, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Andrew Wiggins, Josh Jackson. It always gets sticky when you're talking about Ben McElmore because it was a redshirt freshman year. Like, what do you consider as part <laughs> of that? I don't know. But if you were considering that freshman year, that would certainly be up there. Uh, maybe you put Joel Embiid up there, certainly impact-wise, and by the end of it, he was. But also, he got such a limited stint that, that I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Xavier Henry would be in that discussion trying to think if we we missed anybody else uh maybe like an early freshman season i guess brandon rush like came out swinging as a freshman so maybe it's not a guaranteed top five because I'm, I'm listing a lot of good ones there but for sure top 10 yeah, yeah. Uh, unbelievable freshman season and um yeah it was just unfortunate that again they didn't get a chance with jalen wilson and grady dick kind of on this last ride for bill self to be coaching them in the ncaa tournament and, and possibly have a deep run to where um grady would have been i don't know maybe remembered a little bit more yeah I think he'll be remembered. Still. I do too. I mean, I think he'll be remembered. He's got a the lot. flash. He's got the name. Yep. Like he's yep. going to be somebody because he he should be a long term good NBA player. He'll be one of those guys that ten years down the road you're still seeing him playing NBA games. When he goes to the free throw line, it pops up. Went to Kansas and yeah. stuff like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's. I don't think he's a guy that KU fans are going to forget about very easily, uh, just because he does have that sort of. Uh, he did have that sort of aura about him, right? And he was also an excellent shooter and a great player and. And so, yeah, I don't think he's going to be a guy that, that Kansas fans are going to forget about. And and this this news shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. I mean, listen, the last week we've had guys come on and save the various percentages, and the highest was like 30, but pretty much everybody was 20 or less, mm-hmm. basically. So this isn't necessarily a shock for KU. I don't think it should be a shock for no. KU. And, and going forward, you wish him the best. And from the Kansas perspective, now that's just – that gives you an opportunity to know, okay, for sure – now we have one more thing we can check off of our of our checklist of what our roster is going to potentially look like in the 2023 season. Exactly. It was always kind of a pipe dream of, of that possibly yeah. um, being the thing. So I think that when you look at it now, this just like you said, it just does give you more clarity of an absolute. Yep. And now we know that basically on the KU depth chart at this point in time, I guess if we really want to go there, you're waiting the decisions now of just Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller. Um, with Jalen feels like 100% gone. We had Brian Haney on yesterday. He said he actually thought that there was a higher percentage chance of maybe Kevin McCuller coming back than Grady Dick. Now, that might not be a, a high percentage. That might yeah. be, you know, like you just said. Yeah, exactly, 10. exactly. So I guess, but, you know, in the Kevin McCuller situation, he's looking at being a, a much lower draft pick in the draft, yeah. right? And he has the opportunity to exercise his COVID year. And so if he feels as though through NIL, he has a chance to increase uh, his name, image, and likeness value a little bit by playing at Kansas and also potentially maybe boosting his draft stock even a little bit more. I mean, I think the other thing that Brian brought up that was a good point is, you know, at when you're at the stage of Kevin McCullough's career, though, it's almost if the longer you stay in college, the more potentially detrimental it could be to your draft stock because you don't see a lot of guys that are 23, 24 years old getting drafted very high mm-hmm. in the NBA draft at all. And there right? are exceptions. So, yeah, and there are exceptions. But so he might he might view that as, okay, maybe I should just go ahead and, and stick with the NBA draft. And, and obviously he gave a senior speech and everything's – Everything leading throughout the season indicated that this was going to be his one season with Kansas, but I guess you have to leave the door open. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I, I guess so. But I still am under the assumption that all three of those guys are gone. Yeah. And if that does end up happening, then right now you have Dewan Harris, KJ Adams, Ernest Uday, Zuby Edgefer, and right now Kyle Cuff on the roster that leave you with five returners, four freshmen coming in. So at this point in time, barring any surprises or any other players transferring out, you would have three scholarships open. And it, this just further adds to the idea that you need wings. This further adds to the idea that you need three-point shooting. But yep. like you said, that is not a surprise. And those are both things that we have been talking about for the last two weeks. And those are things that you probably were going to be needing even yeah. if Grady did make the miraculous decision to return, right? Mm-hmm. Like those, that was going to be a need probably regardless. So it just makes it more of a need now, I guess, so to speak. Uh, and again, makes it even more critical that Kansas goes out and does their due diligence in the transfer portal and finds guys that they think can can fit in and and hopefully make an impact right away because that's what they're going to need. I mean, you heard we, Brian Haney. The other thing that Brian Haney said I found interesting from my interview with him yesterday was he said, you know, best case scenario, Kansas gets two starting caliber players out of the t- transfer portal. And I th- I agree with that. Like you you need guys that, that can come in and not only be contributors but start for this team. Uh, but based on your current roster construction, I mean, unless it's either that or you're going to be relying on some guys that are freshmen to to make big impacts, and that's obviously very risky in and of itself. So, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of change. I don't think a lot changes here really for Kansas with this announcement, other than like you said, you you get some more clarity and you know for sure now. But in terms of like the needs and what you were looking for, if you're Kansas in the transfer portal, I don't think it changes that much. Like I think you were going to be looking for something along those lines, anyways. Yeah. So. So I, I, this is actually kind of funny. I'm looking right now. I, I would have thought Grady Dick would for sure have attempted the most threes on Kansas this year. It was not. It was, it was Jalen, Jalen right? Wilson yeah. by two, so not by a lot. Um, but Kansas overall's team was not a, a great three point shooting team this past season. That was one of their. Uh, it wasn't one of their flaws. Like it wasn't one of their weaknesses, but it certainly no. wasn't a strength. They were 34.7 percent this year. That's 143rd like, in the country. That's like basically slightly above directly average. average yeah, right? they're yeah. fifth in Big 12 only games at 33.9. So basically, an average three point shooting team. And if you take away Grady's threes, the rest of Kansas shot 32.4% from three, which would be a really bad number. So, I mean, you're already looking at it, and you're like, well, we're going to have to replace our best three-point shooter. Is it possible to replace him? Yeah, I mean, he shot 40.3% from three. That's an unbelievable number for a freshman, but... There's guys in the transfer portal who shot that who are older guys. He shot 36.2% from three in Big 12-only games. In the two NCAA tournament games, uh, he went 3-5 against Howard, but just one of three against Arkansas. So can you re- can you replace Grady Dick? You know, Because he was a freshman, yeah, you can get someone who can come in and do that. But just overall as a team, they have to get better shooting the three bucks. They were not good enough this past yeah, year. Yeah, and people who hear... You know, Kansas shot 34%, and then without Grady Dick, they shot 32%. People may hear those numbers and think, well, that doesn't seem like a big difference, only two percentage points. Over the course of a whole season, that really stacks up, right? And, and that can be yep. the difference between being an average three-point shooting team and, like you said, being a being a bottom tier. Well, again, so team. Kansas at 34.7%, that's 143rd in the country of like 360 teams. So, again, slightly above average. If you shot 32 point, what did I say, 32.4? Oh, 32.4. 32.4%, that would rank 264th in the country. Yeah. So, you go from being a, a, a team that's Above about, average to a bad one. Yes, exactly. So, it does make a difference. And those few percentage points over the course of the whole season do matter and do stack up. So, absolutely. Kansas needs to go and and hopefully find a guy that, that can shoot like that. And like you said, there are plenty of capable shooters out there that Kansas could bring in. So it, it, this is not a situation where you need to be panicked. And also, I think we mentioned this uh, after the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, as as or after the after the Howard game, I think, where early on in the tournament, 
everybody collectively, all the tournament teams were shooting pretty poorly from yep. three, which is basically to say, like, if you were not a very good three point shooting team, it wasn't really hurting you that much in the NCAA tournament. Now, obviously, it didn't it didn't matter for Kansas; they lost in the second round, but. But it, that was interesting because normally when you think of the NCAA tournament, you think of guard play and three-point shooting as being two things that really matter. And in this NCAA tournament, it definitely has mattered, but not as much as we've seen in the past. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have, like, I think if you want to be a serious national title contender, whether you're Kansas or any other school in the country, you need to have at least one guy who is somebody that you can turn to and when he's open can just hit it, right? Yep. I mean, if you're going to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, or if, and if you're going to seriously compete for a national title, you need at least you need at least one player who can hit those types of shots. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll have we'll have plenty more uh, repercussions of that, and I'm sure more decisions are going to be kind of coming down the pipeline pipeline in the coming days. But there's another bit of uh, big news story that came out earlier today that I wanted to get to as well. This from Dennis Dodd of CBS. Kansas, and I guess I didn't even have to, I mean, KU confirmed it earlier today. Uh, KU football has hired Illinois special teams coach Sean Snyder as a special assistant to the head coach. The And if that name sounds familiar, Sean Snyder, <laughs> it is Bill Snyder's son. And he was a longtime special teams coordinator, assistant coach at Kansas State. Then after he didn't, uh, if, if you remember, Bill Snyder wanted his son to get the head coaching job. Yeah, They ended up going Chris Kleiman. Um I think he stayed on maybe as coordinator one year. I can't remember the, the timeline there. But then he took over at USC in 2020, and then last year he was with Illinois. Kansas State, obviously known for having great special teams. He was a part of that. Uh, they, they still had good special teams last year, too. So, you know, it's it's more than just him. But uh, he also took over USC, like I said, in 2020. And I think they had the number one rated special teams unit. Really? Illinois had, I think, was 68th in the country last year, which would be a you know, a vast improvement for KU to go from being bad to like average in the country. Um, it's it's obviously a big hire if he's going to help out with special teams. Now it is it is the the tag here is special assistant to the head coach. Yeah, what, exactly. what is that? Is my, that like the office? Yeah, my big my big takeaway assistant from this to the was, regional regional uh, manager that he is not the special teams coordinator. They didn't hire him for that job. And I have uh, a theory on that, by the way. Okay, well, so so yeah, so that's the big takeaway. Number one is. Uh, again, this is one of those jobs where it sounds like you can kind of mold it to, or it can be molded to whatever each program wants it to be. And I don't even know. I don't even know if that position is like an on-field position during the game, or like what 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 his role will be during games. So we, yeah. those are questions that we'll have to hopefully get clarity on at some point. Uh, and then, obviously, the second big takeaway is that the name Schneider, right, <laughs> from from K State. So that's pretty funny. So I, I yeah, because th- those are the, the there's so many layers to this. It's the Kansas has had bad special teams. Is he going to help you fix it there? Yeah. Uh, two, just having uh, somebody you know from the Snyder family coming and coaching at KU is pretty crazy. Um, I I think that my theory on this is that because he was the special teams coach at Illinois, right? Yeah. My theory on this is is if he doesn't have an on field role right away. There's probably something promised to him for next year because this hire is being made at the end of spring to where, you know, KU's coaching positions are kind of filled up right now. Um, but maybe this next offseason, they're like, hey, we'll move you into special teams coordinator this next offseason or something like that. Um, I, I, I feel like you don't make this hire. And if you're Sean Snyder, you don't leave for this job unless there is something... So promised ahead of Garen, right? As as a non on field coach, so my guess is that it's almost like, hey, we don't have the position open right now. Join with this role, 
and then we'll work you into that role in a year. Does that yeah. make sense? No, oh, yeah. Or, or whenever it opens sense. up. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, now, like I said, this would be a huge help. KU special teams was not good last year. Hasn't been nope. good in a, in a while. Um, so that would certainly help if he's helping with that. But again, we don't totally know if he is. Here's a... I, I mean, it's just... It's, it's almost funny, honestly. It is it, funny, yes. It, I find it hilarious. Having the most legendary coach in Kansas State history who wanted his son to be the head coach at Kansas... Now he's at Kansas, which has <laughs> to tell you that there is a little bit of bad blood there with Sean Snyder in Kansas State, which I think makes this even better. Um, the replies, the, the quote tweets to this from Dennis Dodd yeah. ranged from, oh, we don't care, oh, he's overrated, oh, we're going to be fine, to, he's a oh, treacherous you're a traitor. dog. Yeah, like, unbelievable, all, all this stuff. Like, um, Dennis Dodd literally, has to turn off literally, the replies. Un- literally unbelievable stuff. Like, yeah. Like, incre- and literally mind-boggling things. Yes. Uh, let me take you through a hypothetical. So, Sean <laughs> okay. Snyder, the assistant to the head coach. Or, or whatever the, the specific title is. Okay. Let's fast forward, uh, I don't know, eight years. Eight years from now. Okay. okay. All right. We're eight years in the future. Sure. It's 2031. Lance Leipold has done all sorts of great things at Kansas. KU has five national titles. Sure. By this they, point. They've been, they've been Big 12 champs every year. By this point, Andy Kotelnicki has left for a head coaching job <laughs> elsewhere because he's, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, the uh, upper tier offense coordinator. Sure. Lance Leipold says, I'm retiring. Okay. Kansas hires Sean Snyder, who at this point has been this unbelievable special teams coordinator and associate head coach. <laughs> and Kansas has Sean Snyder as their head coach. And they do well. <laughs> Set up for success and they do well. Could you not imagine how insufferable that would be for Kansas State that fans? Would, that would be insane. I mean, dude, it, he, he got hired four hours ago. And yeah. it's already insufferable. Four hours, five hours ago this morning. <laughs> it's already insufferable. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Okay, but. The the thing with that hypothetical is like I know there's I'm so many, totally yeah. fine with Sean Snyder being on staff for Kansas like whatever cool great you know stick it to K State whatever it's funny do I really want him to be head coach though nah. let's talk in eight years nah KU has the best special teams every year why don't we just make at that point I'd rather just make Lance Leipold Jr. our head coach <laughs> um I don't know if they have a Lance Leipold Jr. one oh. of their kids plays a free state uh anyway um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think this is good for Kansas, and it is also funny at the same point in time. Yeah, and this there's, is, this there's is the no perfect question hire. that it's it's good. For, like, if you just set aside the K State right. stuff and all that crap, like this is definitely a smart hire for KU because it's because on its face, Sean Snyder is a guy who has a proven track record of being a a good special teams coordinator slash coach, and that's an area where Kansas has really struggled, as you highlighted. And so, just on its face, it has the potential to be a good hire to improve an area that. KU football has struggled with. And then you add in all the other stuff, and it's just funny. Yeah. Uh, are we going to see Bill Snyder wearing at the booth? Hands? I, I don't know. It, it, there's no way, right? He's not going to wear like Kansas, you know, quarter zip or something <laughs> like that at any point. I have no idea. I have no idea. I I don't think we will, but it would be objectively hilarious That'd if be we do. so awesome. Now, he's also, if you've noticed on Bill Snyder's Twitter account, he has. Like, over the years, he'll tweet out, like, congratulations to, you know, whatever, USC special teams this week. They did this, this, and that, like, when yeah. his son was coaching. Yeah. Is he going to do that <laughs> at Kansas? I think that he might do. I don't know. You, the funny, I think the funniest quote tweet slash reply to this whole thing was that it was uh, somebody who was, was clearly very upset 
They said that they should remove the family part of the Bill Snyder family stadium. <laughs> remove the family. That's great. Just Bill Snyder Stadium because they're upset with the rest of the family. But then if Bill Snyder shows up to the booth wearing KU stuff, what do they do then? I don't know. I think that would. I, I think. And it's just stadium. <laughs> they're like Welcome we, we just ban you. Yeah, I don't know. This whole thing gets very odd. I, I don't. I don't expect <laughs> any of that to happen. To be clear, um, but I will say this too. I, I think. I, Sean Snyder's his own man, obviously. So oh, like, yeah, if, course, if Bill yeah. Snyder was like, no, you can't coach there. Like, it's not like he's not a 14-year-old who's yeah, like, dang yeah. it, I got grounded into my room, right? But I will say, like, I, I'd imagine if you're Sean Snyder, you do care about your dad's legacy. And you probably did have conversations with your dad about, like, man, would, would this be, like, weird? Would this be bad for... And I will say, I, I do think... I almost get the sense, and I don't know, this is just me kind of just spitballing here. Yep. I do get the sense that Bill Snyder respects the hell out of Lance Leipold because yeah. he does a lot of things similarly to him. He's a grinder. He's a really good coach. He's not a bunch of flash and everything. Uh, but I, I, kind I, I don't know. Kind of a proven program builder at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And even though there may not, there might not be respect among other people, there's I think there, I think right. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Uh, to where it's like it's more comfortable for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is there any worry in your mind? Well, and again, like if this was, uh, like I said, if you set aside all the K State crap, like this would, if this was like just some random special teams guy who had gone yeah. done special team stuff, like it would, it would still be a good hire, right? Mm -hmm. Is there any worry in your mind? This is a inside mole, an inside double spy. Mm, interesting. So you're saying like a a double agent, basically, where he's yeah. going to go back to K State and tell them what KU's right. doing. Right. Well, okay, that's fine with me because KU special team sucks. Yeah, <laughs> no, go tell them how bad. But he'll be in all is. the meetings. It's not just special teams. He can tell them everything inside. I don't the program, care if you, know? you rat on KU special teams; they've been bad. No, no, but he's the, he's there for everything. He can rat on who they're going after recruiting wise. He can rat on what what offensive plays they're running. All this sort of, sort of stuff. Like he can also rat on K State for all the stuff they he do. He could. He could. Honestly, I'm not worried about that. It's it's you know a profession. Like I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it'll be fine. But yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. No, uh, anyway, funny. he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Final for is happening this weekend. We'll talk about it next. This is RCST. About half past three, this is RCST. Uh, we'll get to some Final Four preview in a second here. How about this, though? Big deal. Big, very, very big deal. This is maybe the biggest news Huge of all news. time. Huge, Huge news. Huge news. Huge news. Virginia transfer Caden Shedrick oh. has started trimming down his list. Would you like to know Dude, how many a trimmed down list is? This is a joke, man. A Normally, joke. it's like it's like here's my top five. Here's my top. I, I've seen this a lot lately. It's like top seven, top nine, top ten. It's like okay, that's a little too much. Caden Shedrick trimmed down his list to eighteen schools, but Kansas is part of it. I I don't they care. Did it. I literally don't care. This they is did the it. dumbest. This is like the stupidest thing of all time. I can't think of anything more dumb. Than this, like literally, there's nothing ever mm -hmm. that's ever been more dumb than this. I don't give a damn what your eight top eighteen schools are. That's not a you didn't trim anything. You didn't trim Jack. You I didn't disagree. trim a single thing. I think this is a big deal. No, KU only made it to the round of thirty-two. Emphasis thirty-two. They were only one of the final thirty-two teams. Kansas this time made one of the final eighteen. That's I, a big I don't deal. Care. That's improvement. No, I don't care. Okay, you don't call it the Sweet Eighteen. <laughs> that's stupid. The Elite Eighteen. No. You already have the Elite Eight. Sorry. Try again. No, it's dumb. He talk, should, talk to me when it's like the top five. I hope he I hope he uh, 
plays into this. Honestly, I hope at he, this point, I don't want him anymore. This is stupid. I hope he ever. I don't like no, the circus you know clown show. I, somebody should do like it's a Bachelor-themed no. elimination of teams every Dude, week. it's the same deal hilarious. with like the OBJ crap, man. I don't care that you're tweeting whatever the hell, emojis, whatever, stupid stuff like that. I don't care. But I think it's funny. And I think it's dumb. If they're willing to play into it, then I'm I'm on board. Like, if this is serious and it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, really? But, like, if, if you seriously had somebody be like, these are my top 25, and once a day I'm going to release a video or something of me not giving a rose to which school and they're going to keep getting cut off, and then it's like <laughs> by the end you have, like, the three final schools and he, like, proposes to the, the one school. No, I think that'd stupid. be awesome. No, it's stupid. Okay. I would, uh, okay. I would like mildly chuckle if somebody did that. Okay. But anyway, I feel, I still think it would be stupid. Well, here here's a big uh, transfer that just entered the portal. Hunter Dickinson, that do anything for you. Michigan um, big man. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. You're not really into that. Well, they sucked. When they were supposed to be They're good. A bubble team. They were not a bubble team. I I did the uh I released this on Twitter over the last weekend and it was the if the tournament bracket would have been picked and seeded based on Ken Palm rankings, and they were the first team out on that. Okay, so they were still out. Yeah. They're ranked 44th on Ken Palm, though. That's ahead of USC, who made the tournament as a 10 seed. That's ahead of Oklahoma State, who, like, was, you know, a competent team. Fine. Sure. Ahead of NC yeah. State, Mississippi State, Fine. ahead of Oklahoma, Arizona State, ahead of okay. Missouri, ahead of Pittsburgh. Those are all bad teams that you just listed. Uh, well, okay, you're not going to get transferred, like... Brandon Miller isn't going to be like, oh, I'm transferring from Alabama. I'm going to Kansas. Like, what are we doing here? Um, no, I don't care. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, Hunter Dickens is I a think he seven be, foot one center. Yeah, I think he would be a very interesting addition to Kansas. He averaged eighteen and a half he, points per game, nine rebounds, one point eight blocks. True, legitimate, like can stretch yes. the floor with three point shooting. So if you had him at the five, you could then probably easily play KJ at the four, and it'd be fine. Yeah, forty two percent from three. Now just one point seven attempts per game, but. Over the last two years, that's more than some of the. That's more than Dewan, I yeah, think. Thirty-six percent from three over the last two years on about two attempts per three. Is that not more game. than Dewan? Um, it's probably right around there. I don't know. Dewan might be more, but yeah, man, I. It doesn't solve all your issues or anything, and yeah, there would be some questions about how defensively because he is very much a drop big man. But KU did a lot of that with David McCormick, so. Uh, I, I don't know how great the fit is, but he's like an all American level player if things go right. So I think you uh yeah. kick the tires. No, you definitely on it. you definitely put out some feelers about it. Uh Dewan was at two point one three point attempts per game this past season. So right wow, around there. That's higher right than I was expecting. Um so anyway, that's one to keep uh, a note of. So the final okay. four happens this weekend. We've got the women's final four tonight happening here on KLWN. That one's gonna be interesting because you have Caitlin Clark, who is the yep. talk of the town, going yep. against South Carolina, and South Carolina is undefeated. They are like eleven and a half point favorites. <laughs> but it should be one that everybody's tuned in for. Yeah. And then you have Virginia Tech, um, and they're going taking on LSU. First ever national title. Yes. And so the importance of that is that if Virginia Tech wins the title, only, Kansas State yep. would be the only team yep. without a national title. In, I, I think it, I thought it was in one of the like main four sports. No, I think it's any sport. I could have unless sworn, you want to count like meat judging. No, see, I I thought that's why. The hell. I thought it was just in the main sports of like football, men's and women's basketball, and baseball, softball. I I, I could no, be wrong. No, I think that. it's like anything. Okay, it might be. I don't know because you don't uh, get a national championship in meat judging if there's only two other yeah, schools in the whole. Maybe country it has to be like it. NCAA sanctioned. Yeah, because that that's not a NCAA sanctioned sport. That's probably what it is. Um, so that would make K State the only one left. I don't even know if 
if they have a meat judging thing team. <laughs> is that what you call it a team? I thought meat there was Texas Tech crew, gang, squad. But like, I'm pretty sure Kansas State has like they probably have national titles in something like a question. No, I don't think or something they do. Like that. I think that's the whole point. I literally don't think no, they do. I'm telling you, that stat is. is I don't based think they on... do. And if they do, I don't care because I don't think it's true. I'm pretty sure they have like equestrian or something weird. No. Yeah, they've won nine national titles since 2000 in equestrian. Okay, go so find some random NCAA person on the street and ask them what equestrian is. Would they know? I'm just telling you. Maybe I'm not. I'm telling you. That stat is like Maybe they wouldn't know. Things. Okay, well, if you don't even know what it is, then how can it count? Okay, that's fair. Um, The men's final four is tomorrow. This has quickly gotten derailed. Yes, it has. San Diego State taking on Florida Atlantic. Miami taking on UConn. San Diego State, Florida Atlantic matchup. I I go back and forth on this one because I I feel like I like San Diego State's athletes and ability to muck it up to get by FAU, but also FAU played a team who is probably better at mucking it up than San Diego State, which is yeah. Tennessee, and probably has better athletes yeah, than I, San Diego State. I kind of think I kind of think you just need to ride FAU here. Like FAU's, they've got that magic. They've they only lost three games all season. I think, I think what it is for me is it's just like, in who, who? my head, Come on. I think in my head, it's like, hypothetically, who can you see winning a national title more? And either one is a little bizarre, but it's like, of course, it's San Diego State because at least they've been like a legit program the last couple decades. Fine, sure, yeah. But I think you're right. I think you do ride the hot hand. I think FAU yeah, is the play. I, I think FAU. I like FAU here because against Kansas State, they were clearly the better team with Golden on the floor. I mean, he was the difference maker in the game, and he was great. They have the uh, some dynamic shooters. They have the a go to legit score with John L. Davis. Like, they have they have a squad. And on paper, I think you might actually even argue they're better than San Diego State is. Much better <laughs> offense. They're twenty fourth. San Diego State seventy fifth. Yeah. San Diego State the better defense. Uh, fourth, while FAU is thirtieth. Uh, By the way, here's a little bit of weird news. I did not expect this. Texas Tyrese Hunter will declare for the NBA draft. He will maintain his college eligibility. So I don't know, whatever. Maybe Wasn't not he the big bad. Deal. It was just fine. I don't know. It sounds like he'll probably just come back. Anyway, okay. Uh, FAU because of that game against Tennessee, and you know they struggled for a good portion of it, but they just figured it out at the end. Yeah, they already have a blueprint to try to to beat the muckers. Yes. Right. One hundred percent agree with that. And then FAU is 11th in the country in two-point defense. San Diego State's 239th in two-point offense. They don't get easy buckets. So yeah, I, I have talked myself more and more into FAU winning the game. The other side of things, Miami takes on UConn. It seems so obvious. Going back to the idea of, like, can you picture them winning the title? Like, it's hard to picture San Diego State or FAU. It's yeah. hard to picture Miami. It's yeah. not hard to picture UConn. We've seen them do it before. Yeah, and they were a team that, was a trendy pick even at the beginning of the tournament. And now they're right. one in, in Ken Palm. And they've literally annihilated every team they've played. Everyone by 15-plus. Which it could be a good thing or a bad thing. You Sometimes you see teams that just kind of annihilate teams, and then they just lay an egg at some point, right? Yeah, I think Gonzaga in, uh, what was that, 2019? I mean, we saw it with Kansas in yeah, 2017. Yeah, but it happened to Kansas. Yeah, Gonzaga in uh, 2019, they beat Fairleigh Dickinson. Hey, there you are. Uh, by like 40 in the first round. I think they were a, yeah, they were one seed, maybe? Um, yeah. Then they beat Baylor by 12. They beat Florida State by 14. And then they just lost to Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. So, yeah, sometimes, you know, we, we get too caught up with the, uh, what we have we just seen and not just the overall and body of work. I think that game is interesting because Miami has the offensive firepower, I think, to potentially 
keep it, make it a game regardless of, you know, like let's say if UConn is just kind of dominating like they have been some of these other games. Now the problem is like you would have said the same thing about Gonzaga. Like Gonzaga had literally the number one offense and they just got smashed, but that's because of Timmy's foul trouble and whatnot. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's say Miami does hang around. I mean, look, they even they, they had a double digit comeback against Texas in the second half. Let's say they just hang around. They have enough offensive firepower. Will they, where would it be that crazy if it's like a six point game late that they could make a run? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. It? That's the thing. When you have a team that makes and shots if, like that. If Miami beats UConn, then literally any, any, at that point, the national title is wide open. Yes. For the other, for Miami and whoever wins the other side. Yeah. I will say, I, I do think UConn wins the game, but I am kind of leaning that Miami makes it close because everybody well, is okay. kind of expecting. If UConn wins against Miami and they go up against FAU or SDSU, what, what's, what's the line going to be? I mean, they're going to be like, with UConn Close to or double with digit favorites, UConn, right? Um, Against either, yeah. I mean, San if they're Diego playing State San Diego State, probably looking at like an eight or a nine point favorite. If they're playing Florida Atlantic, you're probably looking at a nine or a ten point favorite. Yeah, exactly. So Maybe they would more. be heavy, heavy favorites. Yeah, I my picks. I would go right now with FAU and then UConn, but I think Miami covers the spread. I think they make yeah, enough shots. I'm, I would go FAU UConn also. I will say it is funny. Uh, so Jim Laranega, when he was at George Mason, made that Final Four run. Eleven seed makes it to the Final Four. You know what team they beat in the Elite Eight? Was it Texas? It was UConn. Oh, so a little more March uh, magic for Jim Laranega against UConn. Could be, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. I just I can't get over Miami's defense being so bad. <laughs> it's a hundred and fourth in the country. No, because dude. You spent so much time leading up to the tournament talking about how, oh, if you don't have a great defense, your team sucks. You're not going to make but it. But knocked out like all the other teams that were like that early. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So that's why it's just weird. It's so weird. I can't wrap my head around it. But I think that's the point. This year's tournament is just that. It is weird. It has been weird. Yeah. And maybe we just toss all that crap aside and say, okay, I mean, let me just is, watch. Is parity at an all-time high in college basketball? I think so. This year, yeah. It's hard not to. I mean, we had a 16 beat a one. We had a 15 beat a two. We've got, you know, two five. A lowest seed left is a four seed. And yeah, UConn, you know, metrically was probably a one seed all along, but still, man, pretty wild. Pretty wild stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you can hear all that action uh, from both the women's final four, the men's final four throughout the weekend here on KLWN with our Westwood One coverage. We're going to take a timeout. We've got a KU Club interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern with KU Tennis Club coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And uh, we continue on with another KU Club interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. Go out to Johnny's Tavern. You can get a beer. You can get a bite to eat. You can feel like you're part of the neighborhood over in North Lawrence. we got the KU Club tennis team with us today. We've got uh, both Paige and Bryson with us. And uh, I guess first things first. So, Paige, talk to me. What what got you into the tennis club at, at KU? What year in your school? Uh, or what year in school are you? Um, so, I'm a sophomore. Um and my freshman year, I joined club tennis, but I played a lot in middle school and high school. I I didn't have college tennis like aspirations, so I knew I just wanted to do something for fun. So I just sent an email to the president at the time, started going to practice, and I loved it. And Bryson, what about you? Uh, what got you into tennis, and, and what year in school are you? Yeah, so I'm a sophomore as well. Um, I played tennis most of my life. My, I was going to play college tennis. Um, but you know, I decided it wasn't for me. 
And so I joined club tennis, and it's a lot more fun route for me. Yeah, awesome. And, and what is both your guys' role in the club? Are, are you players? Are you staff or anything like that? Um, we both play on the competitive travel team, and then I am director of um, public relations. Okay. And what does that entail from the, the director of public relations side of things? Mostly, I just run the Instagram and get our information out. But and do interviews like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Paige, um, from, a, from a tennis standpoint, uh, do you get a lot of players in, in the field of club tennis who did play in high school, or is it a little bit of a mix of, of people who just want to try out? Or I, I guess what, what is the component of people who join? So I'd say club is um, definitely a step up from, like, intramural. So most of our players um, – did play in high school and we've even had some former like juco players because we do require a little bit of experience because we're not there to like coach new people but um we have a big range from people who started maybe like last year and just wanted to play for fun and people who were really competitive um yeah we bring in a lot of different people for sure and and bryson i mean obviously if you were going to play college tennis you're probably pretty good uh, how, how would you compare the the level of competition? Is it better than you expected? Or are you just running through the field? How, how would you discuss that? It's definitely better than I yeah. expected. Like I, I expected club tennis to be, you know, sort of a cakewalk. I'm not gonna lie, but you know, after the first couple of tournaments, I was like, okay, it's pretty, it's pretty stiff. And so, when does the season run for you guys? Um, it's we do um, all year, so both fall and spring semester. Um, in the fall, we have one tournament that kind of matters more than the others. It's the one that gets our seating for the um, sectionals tournament in the spring. But we do a lot of duels against other schools in the fall. And then um, the spring, it's a little bit more competitive. Are you guys doing individuals? Are you doing teams? Is it a little bit of both? So it's it's a team event. And okay. you, you play a school, and based on the number of games you win, whoever wins more games wins the, wins the match. But there's not doubles. It's all singles? Um, we have men and women's singles, okay. men and women's doubles, and then mixed doubles. Gotcha. And how many people are, are with the club? Um, so on our competitive team, there we can have um, four guys and four girls on the team, but we have um, 10 of each that practice, and we cycle through. Where do you guys practice, and how often do you do it? Um, we play on the Robinson courts on campus, Um we have a general club practice Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 to 8.30 that anyone is welcome to come to. And then we have our competitive travel team practice Wednesdays um, 6 to 8. Mm -hmm. For people who, who might want to join the club, um, is it something where I, I'd imagine now you guys are in season. That's probably not it. I don't know. Can people join at this point in time or is that something that's done at the beginning of the year? Are there tryouts? I mean, people can join the the club side, right? The Tuesday and Thursday practices. Yeah. So, and anyone is welcome to come Tuesday and Thursdays. Um, it's open mm -hmm. whenever. Um, our competitive team, we have tryouts in the fall, and we kind of cap it at that. Mm -hmm. um, so, as far as the season goes, are you guys hosting events, or are you traveling to places? How often are they over the course of the year? Um, it's a little bit of both. We hosted a tournament um, with maybe, I think, six schools in the fall, and then we've hosted some duels. Um, we played K-State and Lawrence mm -hmm. last weekend, but um, we travel every couple weekends. We went to Fayetteville, Arkansas to play the University of Arkansas, St. Louis to play um, St. Louis University, and then WashU. Um, yeah. Please tell me you guys beat Arkansas. 
We did. Okay, yeah, yeah. good. So we, we, we chalked another one up. Beat them by a lot. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry. That's important. That's important. <laughs> we we chalked another one up. Yeah. Um, so uh, as far as just the KU club side of things, like, w- what do you love most about being with KU club tennis? I'll ask this to both of you. We can start with you, Paige. Um, honestly, it just it makes tennis fun again. I was definitely burned out after high school, and coming back and playing with just people who are there for fun makes it a lot better. And even competing, like, I think everyone knows it really doesn't matter that much, so it just kind of brings the enjoyment back to tennis. Bryson, what about you? What's your favorite thing about being with the KU Club tennis team? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. It, it takes a lot of the pressure off. It makes it more fun. You get to meet a lot of new people, so mm-hmm. it just brings a more fun aspect to tennis. How would you describe your, your game on the tennis court? What, what's your serve like or better with forehand, backhand? Me, definitely what? an aggressive play style. Um, forehand, favorite shot. Um, I like the backhand, definitely. I like to just move people around on the court. Do you have a, a favorite all-time tennis player? Roger Federer. Federer? He's the best ever. I, yeah, I mean, I would say Federer, but I'm liking Alcaraz right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, as far as ways people can support the program, uh, do you guys have any fundraisers or sell any merchandise, or, or is there ways that people can attend these events and kind of help you guys out in any way? So um, we actually leave next week to go to Arizona for the Nationals Tournament, and we have a fundraiser going on through Launch KU right now to help just support um, us on that trip because it is a pretty big and expensive trip. So um, people can go to Launch KU, and then Club Tennis should pop up on there, and we have a fundraiser going right now. Awesome. So that goes into the travel funds and everything like that. I would imagine from an equipment standpoint, you know, we talked to some club uh, events and you know with like club hockey they have all sorts of equipment with you guys it's probably just the rackets and the tennis balls right there, there's probably a little less cost for that it's just more about the traveling yeah so we don't provide rackets and yeah. stuff like that most people already have them um we just have to buy balls for practice and stuff um but a lot of our funds do go towards um paying for lodging and mm-hmm. stuff like that when we travel uh for the members of the team uh, anybody you want to shout out you, you want to talk about some of your teammates and, and what makes them so good um, so maybe shout out to Brian. He's okay. our president. He's in his, um, master's program right now. And so he'll graduate. He's been a president for two years and he's kind of brought the program back. So it's pretty awesome. Awesome. Um, so I guess one last time, where can people go to support you guys, give you a follow on, on social media pages? Uh, where can people go to attend the, the different games when you guys are, um, are, uh, I don't know, going out to different places or, uh, how can they support you one more time? Um, our Instagram is at Kansas Club Tennis, and we post all the updates and information for where we're playing um, on there. So that has all of the information. Okay. Well, that is Paige Williams, Bryson Tabasi. Guys, I appreciate you coming in here, and uh, good luck in uh, nationals, sectionals, all that stuff upcoming. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right, that is our KU Club interview with KU Club Tennis. Go give out some support to them. This interview has been brought to you by Johnny Stavern in North Lawrence. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk in on KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. We'll be back after this. About quarter to five, this is RCST on KLWN. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70, just five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Uh, We're going to have a 
Final Four points draft coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. John Kirby will join the show at 5.15 to talk a little KU football. But right now, let's get to our sports stock market on a Friday here with RCST. First up, MLB season started yesterday. The stock is up on the Angels' Angeline. Yeah, this is, a, this is a funny one. So Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, obviously the two great players for the Angels. But yet the Angels, they always find ways to just suck and be bad. Well, the stock is up because they found a new way, an all-new way to do it. Shohei Otani, six innings pitched with 10Ks on opening day. That's only happened 26 times since 1901. Wow. 1901. Guess what the record of those other teams that have done it? Uh, is it like undefeated or something? 25-0. and Of course. Well, guess what? 10 strikeouts, 6 innings pitched for Shea Otani, and the Angels lost oh to the gosh. Oakland Athletics 2-1. Oh, this is the most remarkable thing. Yeah, it's it's the the tweet that keeps going around. Yep, that, yep. Uh, the Shea Otani does something that's only been done 26 times since 1901. Yep. And Mike Trout hits 12 home runs, and the Angels lose to the Oakland A's. Well, a, tale is told, a tale is old as time. Yeah, the, the Tungsten Armo Doyle tweet. That's that's the one that I was thinking where it's like, <laughs> yeah, it does something for the first time since Tungsten Armo Doyle, yep, and yep. they lose 9-2. Yep. He um, should be out of this soon. He could be traded at the <laughs> trade deadline if they're not doing well. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Well, what I don't understand is you've got two of the top five you, players it, in the it league. It might be two of the, the very two best. It might be. And why, why don't you try to win? For the Angels, like, what are we doing? I don't think they're not trying to. I just think. Are you sure about? Uh, they, they don't know how. Well, how do you suck that bad everywhere else? That is a wonderful question. Like, how's um, it even possible? So the owner is a like. If you took Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and put them on the Royals, the Royals would be much better. Yeah, of course. So then, why is it that the Angels still suck? Well, okay, it's it's an organizational thing, right? If you think about it from this standpoint, clearly they are not good at. Because they, they have, if you have the two best players, that gives you so much more margin for error for filling out the rest of the team. Yes, the rest and of the yet team they sucks, still right? are terrible. Yes, Which is an organizational thing. They're bad at drafting players. They're bad at signing cheap players on other contracts. Uh, they, they have a bunch of other contracts they've overpaid for people. But hang on. If you're bad at drafting or batting whatever getting players, they got Mike Trout and they got Trey Otani. That's two examples of guys that they hit on. Well, they signed Otani from, from Japan. Um, Yeah, I mean, with the Trout one, yes. But that was like a once in a blue moon for them. Their owner is is very. Um, he doesn't invest in the organization from a standpoint of like hiring scouts and getting good medical people and getting good uh, equipment for for the team to develop off of. Uh, he is. They're the only MLB team who still is not sending their radio broadcasters out on the road because he doesn't want to pay for the expense. Of really? What? Yeah. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so terrible. ever since COVID, like they still haven't sent him on the road. So like. It's it's an organizational thing, I think, more than anything else. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy. What are we? What? what are, I mean, what are we doing? I don't know. Try to win. You have yeah. the two best players. Well, then he was going to sell the team last offseason, then change his mind. So now he's just like, yeah, whatever. Stock is down on peace in the Alabama athletic department. This came out about a week or two ago. Nick Saban announced that defensive back Tony Mitchell has been suspended following the freshman's recent arrest. Mitchell was a five-star prospect, class 2023. And here's the exact quote he used. There's no such thing as the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, after what Nate Oates said a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago about that he was in the wrong spot, wrong time, that's got to be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is not good, and and clearly there needs to be, I mean, listen, as an athletic department, like if you are dealing with something 
like what Alabama was dealing with, which is obviously a very difficult thing to deal with. You know, people lost their lives, whatever, right? But like from the PR standpoint, you've got to make sure you're on you're on the same page about this kind of stuff. You can't have your two coaches sort of almost like sliding each other a little bit, or at least Saban's, it appears to be sliding Nate Oates yeah. a little bit here. Is this just an SEC thing? We had the Kentucky like football school thing with John Calipari versus uh, Mike Stoops at Kentucky. Hey, this man, is it how just, SEC it just schools means, operate. It just means more in the SEC. I guess yeah. so. Stock is up on Sickos. I feel like stock's up on Sickos like every week. Yeah, probably. Sickos uh, stock is through the roof. Yeah. So this comes um, from the Daily Loud, which... Um, I don't know. It's just like a news, uh, whatever hip hop. Sure. Like yeah. But that that sort of thing. Yeah. You can now experience how death feels through virtual reality, from cardiac arrest to brain death, with the VR at Melbourne Now exhibition. What? Yes. Dude, that is so messed up. Why? Why? Why would you want to experience that? What? What do we? What? First of all. How do we constantly have this great science and we just do it for dumb, idiotic stuff like this? What do we... We build death robots and then we build things that make us feel like death. What, yeah, what are we doing? An Australian artist is bringing the experience of death to life via participatory... Very, no, 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 Stop, stop, full stop, full stop. Okay. The experience of death to life? No. No. That's not a real... That's not a real thing. No. Disagree. You can't do that. It's just. What do you have to say for yourself? It, well, uh, I'm reading the quotes from this guy. Uh, by simulating death as an experience in its last few minutes, it is a meditation on the ephemerality no. of individual life. For me, it's not all gloomy, but a spectrum of colors and moods. What in the. Dude, just go on a mountaintop with Aaron Rodgers and meditate if you want to do it that bad. You don't need to experience death. What? What? I don't understand. You can do. You can already do like floating in water therapy or whatever. There's way other ways to quote unquote experience meditation or whatever the hell without experiencing death. Yeah, I'm out on this. Uh, did, there was a couple months ago. There was the video game that came out that you die if you lose. But the guy <laughs> didn't like release it publicly, which obviously he wouldn't be able to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Some weird people out there. I I I, I don't understand. Stock is down on the Bucks being in playoff form. This is a quick one. They lost by 41 yesterday. The Celtics, those are the two teams competing for the one seed. In the East, probably not great to do that. 41? Yeah, 41. Oh, my God. I will say, I'm already ready for the NBA playoffs where every game is decided by 20 points based on which team shoots better from three. The dumbest thing ever. Anyway, uh, stock is up on voting too early. I don't know. Maybe maybe this wouldn't have changed, but so Zach Eady was a near-unanimous MVP. Or, or National na- Player of the Year. Yeah, National Player of the Year. There we go. Um, Shocker Smart was the Coach of the Year. Do both of these happen if the voting is done, like, say, this week? Or, like, at the end of the season? I think the Coach of the Year would definitely be different. Yeah. I don't think Shocker Smart would have won. Zach Eady, like, you lose to a 16 seed. Yeah, I mean, it's Player of the Year, though, and, like, he still mm-hmm. had a great year. I mean, I think you could maybe argue that it's less unanimous. Like maybe a few more people yeah. would have voted for somebody yeah. else, but I think no, people right. would definitely win. Right? If you're the national player of the year, you don't lose to a 16th. Right. I, I will say though, you could honestly make the argument that for Edie's case, it actually is further proof why he should have won the award because they didn't give him the ball and they lost. Yeah. Right? I mean, he had one shot in the final 12 minutes, but yeah. also 
he took a team that clearly around him was not was, very good. Was bad. Yeah. That got outplayed by a yep. 16 seed. No, they were bad. He, he carried them to a one seed. Maybe that was better reason why he should have won it. That's an interesting. Yeah, it was, with Shaka Smart, he would not. That's an interesting spin zone. Yeah, I don't think Shaka Smart would have won. Uh, by the way, guess who was the? There was only one other player who got a vote for National Player of the Year. Uh, I'm assuming it's not Jalen Wilson because otherwise, it is not. I don't think he would have made me guess. Is it like uh, I don't know, Marcus Sasser? It is Trace Jackson Davis. Really? It's like he had a good season, but okay. Uh, what is up with everyone thinking the Big Ten is so great? The Big Ten sucks. Didn't have a single school what are we, in the Elite Eight. What? One in the I don't understand. Tom Izzo. Ooh, the Big Ten's the best conference in the country. According to who? What? According to blind and deaf people? People that don't watch basketball? What? Our last one. Stock is down on the Conference USA. Everybody talking about how good the Conference USA was. Uh, FAU's in the Final Four. North Texas wins the NIT. I think one of their schools won the CBI. But guess what? Nobody's talking about UAB lost. One of their teams lost in the NIT finals. Well, and stock is further down on CUSA because all these teams are leaving. These are all teams going to the Americas. Yeah, that's a good point. FAU's leaving. I think North Texas is leaving. I don't know if UAB is or not. Charlotte, I don't think isn't. Charlotte's the one that won the CBI, I think. Okay. But like FAU, North Texas, those are both for sure gone, I'm pretty sure. And I think maybe UAB, I don't know, but these are, yeah, socks are going way down because they're, they're all their great teams are leaving. So sell now because people might be tricked by it being yeah, too high think, right now. Yeah, they might think, wow, the CUSA is going to be great next year. That's and then suck. it's like, it'll be like nobody. Sell, sell, sell. Yes. Sell. <laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is not official financial advice. Let's <laughs> this sell. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Five o'clock hour next. John Kirby joins us at 5.15. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We'll be joined in about 10 minutes from right now by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant to talk a little KU basketball. We are out of 5.30, or KU football, I'm sorry. We are out of 5.30 to get to uh, Westwood One coverage of the women's Final Four. Uh, so we're going to do a Final Four points draft for the men's action, which you can hear tomorrow in between hey, the uh, who, by the way, basketball game. Who won the Sweet 16 Elite Eight points draft? Oh, yeah, so we were going to go over that. Oh, we were? Yes. Oh. Really right now. Oh, I, th- I didn't know if you were just going to gloss over. No, I was not. Uh, I, I, don't I was going you... to finish uh, talking about oh. on our station how tomorrow you can hear the KU men's Final Four action. Uh, two o'clock is when Westwood One action is going to start for that one, and then that'll lead into uh, game action, although at 4.15 we'll have the KU women's basketball game, and then once that game ends, we'll go back to Westwood One action, uh, as we'll have on Sunday. So we did a points draft for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Yep, we did. Um, you outscored me two ten to one sixty two. If you would have thought, uh, like you, you only got nine points from Brandon Miller in yeah. one game. Yeah, you probably would have thought you were screwed after the one game. I was a little nervous. Yeah, but I had Hawkins from UConn who just went nuts, and I had Noel as well, uh, which ended up being a good pick, even though he plays for K State. And then uh, those are my two big ones, I think. I thought Houston was going to win their first game and play in both games. Oh, yeah. So yeah. having two Houston guys of the six, that certainly hurt. Oh, yeah, and then Cockbrenner and Shireman both did pretty well for me. Yeah, they did. Shireman had a really good Sweet 16 game, too. And he had Marquise Noel. So we are going to do the same points draft for the Final Four and the National Championship. So you get okay. them for both games. Okay. You have to take into account who you think is going to win, right? They, they might okay. end up yep. playing more games. Yep, yep. I will give you the option since you won the last one. Do you want to pick first or pick second? Snake draft. Oh, let's you, you six go players. You let me pick first. I don't. I don't know that there's a guarantee. I don't know that there's a obvious. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know if there's an obvious number one pick. So I'll let you go first. Okay. 
So, hmm. I was not expecting this. So I I, I uh, figured you were going to be picking first. I don't really want to take someone from FAU or San Diego State first. First of all, San Diego State doesn't score a ton, so there's not really that obvious candidate. Yeah. Second of all, that seems like such a toss-up game to me. I feel more confident that UConn's going to win than I feel either of those teams are going to win. Uh, I would make confidence that. level. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I should take a UConn player because I feel best about them playing twice. But with Miami, they had... They have a couple guys that score a lot of points. They do. But I will go with a UConn player just because I feel best about them playing two games. And I'm going to go with Adama Sonogo. Yeah. So Sonogo is actually the leader right now on betting odds to win Final Four MOP. There's a reason why. You're playing a 6'7 big man in Miami. Doesn't have a lot of big man depth. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's the best big man there. So I'll, I'll go Sonogo. All right, I'm going to go with UConn as well. I'm glad you took Sonogo because I actually wanted, Jordan, wanted Hopkins. Jordan Hopkins. So that works out great for me. So I, I'll take Hopkins, or Hopkins, Hop, Jordan Hopkins, Hopkins with my first pick. With my second pick, I think I have, I mean, okay, now I'm in a tough spot because I just picked a UConn player, but I really want to take a Miami player with my second pick, but that guarantees one of my top two picks is not going to be playing sure. in, in the net for two games. But I, I think it's still smart to do that. I'm going to take... Uh, Nigel Pack with my next pick. Wow, you went with a K State guy, or do you like him better because he defected? I like him better because he defected. <laughs> okay, that's the, the that's the narrative. He's the I'll Sean go with. Snyder of KU K State <laughs> basketball. Players. That's the narrative I'll go with. Okay, so you have Nigel Pack. Um, I am glad that you went with Nigel Pack because I wanted go a different Wong? Miami player. Go I do want Isaiah Wong. So Isaiah Wong apparently was being recruited heavily by UConn. Really? Ended up choosing Miami. Ah, so the I guess. You can't really call it a revenge. No, no, because he he was like, I don't want one you. That, yeah, so maybe it's the other but, way. Maybe it hurts him. It's revenge of UConn against Isaiah Wong. Uh, but I will go Isaiah Wong there. And then, man, I I feel like we need to get somebody from the other side. I guess I, we said earlier in the show we we both kind of agreed FAU maybe winning the game, even yep. though I don't feel great about it. Yeah. So I'm gonna take the best player on FAU, uh, John L. Davis. Okay. You have back to back picks. I am going to go with Golden from FAU, their big man. I think he had uh, 15 points and 13 rebounds against K-State in the Elite Eight. He's been good. He's been really good. And they'll probably need him to score quite a bit if they want to win against SDSU. And then if they were to play like UConn in the title game, that would be certainly the matchup to watch would be him versus the big men of UConn. So I'll go with Golden for my first pick. For my second pick... So it makes it tough with San Diego State. They have one player who's averaging yeah, double figures Bradley, per game, and he's and only like, averaging like 12. <laughs> and in the last two games, I want to say Matt Bradley has been like horrendous. Yeah, well, I think Tramel was their leading scorer against Creighton. Yeah, it was like Tramel and maybe Butler in A-Rope. the other game. Um, Bradley in their, their last two tournament games, he's their leading scorer, only player in double figures per game. He had two points against Creighton and six points against Alabama. <laughs> so it's like, who do you take? I, well, Tramel seems to be, to me at least, seems Hot to hands. be their go-to guy. Well, not only that, but he seems to be the guy they trust to score in the clutch. So I'm going to go with Tramel. Okay. Why not? I like that pick. Um, yeah, against Creighton, he had 12. Against Alabama, he had 21. Yeah. Against Furman, he had 13. So he's on a nice little streak here. Um, okay, so I could go with Matt Bradley and just assume he's going to have like a bounce-back game, but I don't totally love that. I'm going to go with another Miami player. Jordan Miller has been on one lately. Yeah. He's on a hot streak right now. Miami plays at an up-tempo. I think Connecticut is comfortable playing at an up-tempo that, at the very least, even if they lose, maybe he has 15, 20 points. points in that game. Yeah, yeah. Which I could take Matt Bradley. He could even play both games and have 16 total, right? 
No, that, that's possible. Okay, so I have four players. So you have one more pick, right? And yeah. Get two no, more, I, and then you take the last one? Yes, yes, correct. Yeah. Um, I guess I will just go Matt Bradley just to give me somebody on San Diego State. I could have taken Lamont Butler, but I don't know, whatever. I'll go Bradley. Don't feel great about it. All right, you know who I think is is a really, really sneaky, great value pick here? I think there's there's two that really stick out here. Okay. So we'll see if you I take think, both. I think uh, Brian Greenlee from Florida Atlantic okay. is a really sneaky value pick. He's like he's like their he's like their leading three point shooter, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, sharpshooter off the bench. Yeah. I think I think he has a chance to, to he had sixteen against Kansas State in the Elite Eight. Yeah. And then who else? One more. And there is Elijah Martin is FAU's other scorer. See, Lamont Butler for San Diego you State. You got Omir from Miami. Yep, Norchad Omir. You got Klingon. Yeah, Klingon. You got uh, Tristan Newton from UConn. Yeah. I don't want to have Klingon on my team, honestly. Okay. But, I mean, I don't know that Omir is going to... I'll take Omir. Okay. So, if you did not take o- Omir, I was going to have to because that was the most obvious value yeah, I think at that point. I think he's the best pick. Yeah. So, I'm actually kind of glad you did because I just wanted to take Donovan Klingon. I think he's so good. <laughs> Klingon. <laughs> I, I know he only gets like seven and a half points per game because he has to play behind Sonogo, but I don't know. Coming out, party for him. All right. That's okay. our draft. Um, I have Sonogo, Wong, Davis, Miller, Bradley, and Klingon. You have Hawkins, Pack, Golden, Tramel, Greenlee, and Omir. I'm telling you, man. Brian Greenlee, if, if FAU is going to make the title game or if they're going to have – Playing the title game well, yeah. he's going to be a critical score. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. John Kirby, Jayhawk Slant joins us next. This is RCST. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Joined now by John Kirby. You can check him out with Jayhawk Slant Rivals. You can uh, get a subscription to Jayhawk Slant as well and check out all the great coverage coming from John on the KU football side of things. So, uh, John, I guess first things first, Spring Showcase is next Friday. And I I don't think you're going to learn, I don't know, too much because we know it's not going to be like a full scrimmage, a full game like it uh, maybe is around some other programs. They are going to be doing different drills, but I don't know. We still could learn a little bit. Is there a player or a position group or just something in general that you're most circling or highlighting for what you're looking forward to uh, during the spring showcase? Yeah, you know, Derek, you bring up an interesting point where you talk about, you know, the, the game, this, whether it's a spring game or a spring showcase. And if you look around the country, the spring game, those are starting to go away. You know, back in the day, you know, you used to get really excited because you'd bring the band out and turn the scoreboard on and you'd have teams and, you know, lined up in blue and white and it was a game. But you're, you're just seeing so much less of that, right? And I, I think in the end, what, what you're going to get is a glorified practice. So I don't know that I'm going into this at all with any expectations of using it to try to judge or evaluate the team. Um, I, I'm just hoping for some decent weather and getting out and seeing a little bit of football, right? Um, and the other thing is, Derek, that has been such a physical practice that this whole spring football has been incredibly physical. And I think what you're going to see for that spring showcase is you won't see a lot of your key guys hitting. I mean, they're, they'll, they'll probably do some type of scrimmaging, I would assume, at some point during it. But I just don't think you're going to see, see your starters out there doing a lot of it. Because in the end, it's like Mark Mangino used to tell me. It's the 15th practice of the year, and all you're trying to do is get out of there with no injuries. So at that point, you know, I look for it to be pretty light. Um, I think this, this spring, 
I've been focusing on defensive line and linebacker were the ones I probably went into the most of, hey, you know, that's where you'd like to see what they're going to do. Because, listen, Derek, I mean, you lose Caleb Sampson, you lose Sam Burt, um, you lose Eddie Wilson, you lose Lonnie Phelps, you lost Malcolm Lee. I mean, you know, that's, that's a couple thousand snaps sitting there on the defensive line. And so I do think that they've done a nice job of bringing in some guys that are going to fill those needs. And, and, and I, I still think in the defensive line in the interior, I mean, Devin Phillips and Gage Keys there, they could be a slight upgrade in terms of athleticism and what they can do. I, you know, I think they're still trying to find a pass rusher. You know, right now, if the season started, I'm not so sure it wouldn't be Hayden Hatch as the defensive end as the pass rusher right now. So, And then linebacker, you know, you're just hoping to see some improvement there and then hoping that J.B. Brown coming in uh, from the transfer portal could help out. And then I'll tell you the position that probably I'm leaving spring with just a little bit of concern, maybe is running back. I mean, last year they went into the season, and I told people, this, this might be one of the best running back groups in the Big 12. I mean, you got Devin Neal, you had Hyshaw, you had Sevian Morrison, you had Kai Thomas. Okay, well then, you know, Morrison hasn't stayed healthy. Hyshaw hasn't stayed healthy. They've had to shoulder the load with, Devin Neal, who for two straight seasons by the end of the year, he's banged up because they have to rely on him so much. And, you know, Devin's a heck of a back, but, you know, he needs a little bit of help and they need to stay healthy there. So those are probably three positions the most that I'm looking at. Yeah, that's certainly interesting. And and when you talk about the transfers, you know, with the Austin Bookers and the J.B. Browns, uh, which of the guys do you think that um, did transfer in that are ready to make the biggest impact right away in year one? Well, I think Devin Phillips at defensive tackle definitely is. Um, you know, he, he started every game he played at Colorado State. And, I mean, we, you know, you've, you've been up at practice. You've seen him. I mean, he's a load. He's 300-some pounds, and, and he can move. He's just he's not a stiff. He's not just a plugger. He's somebody who can generate a pass rush and break a gap. So he, he, he is a big addition. I mean, I've got him. I got him as a guy I definitely think is going to start. Gage Keys, you know, been banged up a little bit. But, again, he's 6'5", 285 pounds. And, you know, Gildersleeve said he's put on, like, 13 pounds since he got there, and it's a good 13 pounds. So, you know, when you look at when you look at that, those are a couple guys. Uh, J.B. Brown, you know, he's got to play. He's got to help out. You know, it's just kind of a, a position that, you know, I know Chris Simpson's looking at a little bit more production from his linebackers. But, you know, they are who they are, and they were able to pick up one linebacker. So, you know, those are the guys in there on the offensive line. You know, you keep looking at Logan Brown, who I know has been playing mainly right tackle, filtering in a little bit at left tackle, and then Spencer Lavelle, who's a who's a massive guy. I mean, he's one of the biggest O-linemen I've seen up there in a long time. So, you know, they've got some depth and, and, and some guys from the portal who are definitely going to help out. Yeah, with the Logan Brown uh, addition, with him kind of competing at right tackle, it seems like right now with maybe Kobe Baines, how firm of a grasp do you think that Bryce Cabledew has on the left tackle role? Well, just, you know, two weeks ago when you talked to Fuchs and when you talked to Cabledew, I mean, they made it sound like, hey, he's playing left tackle, and that's not going to change. Like, that's our left tackle. And, And I'll be honest with you. I was a little surprised at that. Not that I don't think Cable Duke can play. I just really felt that Logan Brown would come in and probably take that spot because 
you're thinking plug and play, right, Derek? You're thinking, hey, you've got your four starters back. You just don't have a left tackle. So just common sense, you think that's Logan Brown. But then you find out he feels a little bit more comfortable at right tackle. So they've moved Cable due to left, and Kobe Baines has played well, which is a great thing that, you know, you've got some competition there. Guys just aren't being handed jobs. But for, for right now, it looks to me like Brown is being more thought of as a right tackle. Yeah, it's certainly very interesting as uh, we, we head in toward the end of the spring here. Um, so I guess, uh, wh- when do things start getting fluid again? Because we know that, you know, once the spring ends, there might be a couple guys leaving the program. There might be a couple more guys that they bring in via the transfer portal. When do you expect that timeline to start up? Well, I mean, here in April, you can start going back in the portal. So, I mean, we're, we're going to get fired up again. You know, shoot, God, we're just sitting here. In the in the middle of basketball portal, I think I saw something yesterday. There's already been 1,100 basketball players into the portal, and we just went through it in football in December and January, and I think we're about ready to go through it in football again. I don't think it's going to be as hot and heavy because you won't have as many kids leave after spring football. Now, the question, Derek, is going to be for KU is, and this is something to watch, is kind of the number situation. So there may have to be a few kids leave to get them maybe back to normal numbers before they can start adding. So I think that um, right now, I don't know how many spots they're going to have to add guys in the transfer portal in the spring. That's just going to have to be something we're going to have to watch and see. We'll know something more probably mid to late April on that. Well, let's say they do get a couple spots opened up because that that is kind of a good problem for years. It's been there. They're not full up on scholarships. And now that they are kind of to that number, I guess this is the negative of that, even though overwhelmingly it is a positive. Um, Let's say they do get a couple open spots. What positions? I, I know you mentioned pass rusher. Do you think that they would target in the portal? Yeah, definitely. Uh pass rush uh d line i think that would be probably one of the guys and you, you know Derek, one of the things you got to look at too is you know they are a, a incredibly organized and structured staff and program okay and then what they do is they say in our program this is how many linebackers we want on scholarship this is how many dns we want on scholarship this is how many o linemen and, and they don't vary from that much okay so if you've got a position and it's full of your scholarship guys I mean, usually what they'll do is they'll just say, hey, this is who we got to work with, okay? We've got our allotment filled up with these numbers. So I still think that defensive end would be one. Um, Boy, like I said, I mentioned running back. I still think that – I don't know that that's a possibility because they've got several guys on scholarship, but at the same time, at what point do they say, God, we just can't stay healthy. We can't stay healthy through spring football. We can't stay healthy through the bowl season and regular season. And at what point do they say, hey, we can't gamble here. We've got to have another back. So I don't know how that will play out and what their thinking is on that. Um, in, in terms of the guys who are going to join uh, once we get to the fall and um, players who are not there right now for the spring, are there any guys that – uh, you expect to come in and, and maybe push for at least, I don't know, role player type of snaps uh, in year one? Well, you know, you're there you're looking more at kind of like your high school guys. Um, you know, one one player who's going to come in is is the punter from Australia and uh, uh, Greaves. And I you know, you got to think that, you know, they, they didn't they didn't sign him from Australia and do all the research they did for him to you know, to not to not come in and, and, and be the guy. So I think he's got to probably be your 
you know, your lead guy. And then everything else there is going to be your high school guys, like a, a Logan Brantley. Uh, I like him a lot. He's a talented linebacker out of Colorado. I think he's someone that could come in and play. You know, I, I like what they did in the wide receivers, but the wide receiver group is pretty deep. I mean, you know, when I was talking with Luke Grimm yesterday, they bring back everybody. Every catch is back at wide receiver. So, you know, that may be a tough spot for some of those young guys to come in and play. Yeah, when you look at returning guys on the roster, is there any player who maybe they they weren't a starter last year, or maybe if they were, they weren't playing as much as some of the other guys? Any player that you think has made inroads so far in the spring to maybe get a bigger role on this year's team and, and maybe break out this season? Yeah, you know, we talked about um, Hay- Hayden Hatcher. I mean, you know, I know he played some snaps last year, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things you go in and – and Derek, you're always trying to do, and I know fans do this too, where you're trying to replace the guy, right? You're always trying to replace him in your head of what newcomer's going to beat him out. Well, Patrick Joyner's been kind of dinged up this spring, okay? So he's a D and has got some talent. And then Austin Booker's still learning the role. And, you know, here's Hayden Hatcher who's been in the program for several years, and maybe he holds on to, maybe he holds on to that job. So, you know, Hayden Hatcher is a guy that didn't play as many snaps last year that I think could play more. Another guy that I think that fans are going to hear a lot about in the future, and I think he's got a lot of talent and he can be a good player, is Tommy Dunn at defensive tackle. Uh, when we talked to Panagos the other day, he talked about in the second half of the, the bowl game against Arkansas, he said Tommy Dunn was the best player on the field. So Tommy Dunn has the ability and the talent. So there's a couple guys on defense right there. And then uh, last thing here with just the uh, high school recruiting uh, at this point of the year, um, is there anything to be on the lookout for with, with KU, or, or is that something more that uh, kind of comes into scope after spring ball ends? Well, I think I think that's going to be something that comes in after spring ball ends. Um, they have had, well, I'll tell you what, I can't remember a spring where they've had so many good visitors on campus just for unofficial visits. They, It's almost been... Every open, every practice that they've had, there's been a good visitor there. I think, you know, they'll have a few guys this weekend. You know, I don't know what the spring game will be like, um, the spring showcase, excuse me. I don't know what that's going to be like on Friday. You know, it's a Friday night at 7 o'clock. I I don't know, you know, a lot of your football players could run track and have track meets or things like that. So I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, But I do, I will say this, Derek, with, with recruiting and high school recruiting, you're starting to see a shift. You're starting to see a change. You're starting to see kids. It's, it's, it, and this is crazy. It's more you hear it more out of area. You hear it more outside the Kansas and Kansas City metropolitan area. But there are some good football players from Florida and Texas and Oklahoma and Arizona and places that are like, hey, these guys got it going on. I've been to practice. I like what they see. I like what they're doing with facilities. I like where the program's going. They're getting in. They're getting in the front rooms of more guys here coming off that successful season and in a season where they were on college game day and had a lot of headlines written about them nationally. He is John Kirby. You can check out all his work with Jayhawk Slant through Rivals. John, appreciate the time as always, man. All right, Derek. Take care. All right, that was John Kirby, and that's going to do it for this edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Out early today, Westwood One coverage of the women's Final Four. We'll have Westwood One coverage tomorrow of the men's Final Four. 
and the KU women's basketball game in the WNIT final against Columbia with that one tipping off at 4.30. We also will have uh, more women's national championship coverage from Westwood One on Sunday and then men's on Monday. We'll talk to you next on Monday for another edition of RCST. Have a great rest of your weekend. Don't forget to catch up on the Best of RCST podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.